Hi, and welcome to Moments at Arvida, a podcast about everyday people, their stories, their struggles, their triumphs, and their insights. You see, I believe that we all have a story to tell and a unique insight based on our particular lived experience. Let's call it our magic. Each week, I'll be interviewing a different community member at the Arvida Independent Bookstore in Old Town, Tustin. Why? Because their story is my story, is our story. Today, I have the honor of speaking to Tustin Mayor Pro Tem Letitia Clark. In 2021, Clark was nominated to be the city's new mayor, making her the first black female mayor of Tustin. She has received many awards for her advocacy work on behalf of women. Clark is a mom of three, a dedicated community leader, and a published author of a children's book, Mommy is the Mayor. And she has another book on the way titled Baby's Room to the Boardroom. You can purchase a copy at the Arvida Book Company in Tustin. I wanted to start with a hard question. Okay. (laughs) Um, Imposter syndrome. Yeah. It's so real. I lived it. I know a lot of women do. How do you build true confidence? Mm -hmm. Um, How do we develop that in ourselves? How do we help to develop that in others? Yeah. And support each other in that process? I love that question. And it is a hard question because... um, Yeah, I think every woman experiences it at some point in their lives. I think uh, when I ran for office is probably when I suffered from it the most, my first run. A lot of times because I was, you know, walking into rooms where people didn't know me, people were immediately judging me, you know, from literally looking me up and down from my shoes Mm -hmm. to the top of my head, you know, and I'm me often feeling like, the question they were asking in their head was, who does she think she is, you know, (laughs) to be so bold enough to run for office in this city at this time, you know. And so I was just filled with that uh, anxiety and doubt all the time um, in my first run. And and until some point, I had to really tell myself enough. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I it really it wasn't a I had a breakthrough. Um, my kids sang in the choir at church and they sang this one um, song and you know um, if you're religious or not this this one song kind of resonated with me and the lyrics were God made me he made me who I am and they just kept singing that over and over again I was like wow and the (laughs) kids song made me feel like I I am who I am I I'm I'm already made into the person that I am I don't have to try to change into someone else I can't make people see me in a different way I am who I am and for in that little moment I kind of just got the confidence to say hey you know take it or leave it I'm going to present my whole self and the the reward will be if I win it will be it will be because I was myself I Mm -hmm. wasn't trying to be anyone else which also helped me later in governing because then I had to govern as myself right But then I thought, well, if I lose, it's also because I wasn't trying to, you know, be someone else. I I did it my way 
in my own authentic self. And I realized that was the most freeing thing I could do. But what I also realized is that those messages that we tell ourselves, it starts really early. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have to work with my daughter and my kids to encourage them to when they say things out loud, particularly about themselves, you know, be kind to yourself, be gracious with yourself, give yourself a lot of credit that, you know, you can achieve big things. And, you know, talking to yourself in that positive way, it's a muscle that you have to mm-hmm. build over time. And you have to start practicing those really good habits. Because I notice, you know, very accomplished, sophisticated women, you know, I'll, I'll see them somewhere. And I say, Oh, my gosh, you look beautiful. Oh, well, you know, I, I got this suit from TJ Maxx or, <laughs> or, you know, my hair's a mess. It's dirty. And I'm like, why do we do that? And oh, here, yeah. here they are, you know, 60, 70 years old, mm-hmm. lived a, a, a lifetime full of, you know, ups and downs, and they still can't accept a compliment. And I always think, where do we get that yeah. from? You know, where does that start? So I realize it's a societal thing. You know, it's a it's a generational curse that we pass on mm-hmm. and we allow ourselves as women to talk poorly about ourselves. And what that does is it sends a message to the world that, yeah, you know, you should you should walk with doubt. You should walk with insecurity because the 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 world is not meant to lift you up. So, you know, how dare you be bold enough to think highly of yourself? So we have to change that. And really, we can only change it if we start with us, mm-hmm. obviously, right? It's, it, but it's difficult because it's kind of unlearning to relearn. Mm. So, but, but once you notice it, then you have to say, okay, yeah, I, I need to start with me. Be more gracious with myself, be, you know, um, kinder to myself with my thoughts and my words. And then I have to teach the next generation. And then when they do it, I have to embrace it. I can't let that voice in my mind say, well, who do they think they are by having (laughs) so much confidence? We have to encourage it, say, you go, girl. Yeah. Keep thinking that you're amazing. Keep thinking that you're beautiful and smart because you are. And now go go do whatever you want. Go accomplish your dreams. Go you know, take over the world. We have to say those things and be very um, ambitious with our encouragement of others and ourselves. So I think that's, I think that's one way to kind of address imposter syndrome. But yeah, it's real. It's pervasive. And if we allow ourselves, you know, it will be, it will continue without, you know, really stopping the cycle. So yeah, it's a it's a great, good, hard first question. Yeah, <laughs> out the gate. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, I was listening to a podcast recently, and someone said, you know, we are what we believe, mm-hmm. and we believe what we tell ourselves. So if we change that, right, it is so powerful. The ripple effect of that. You know what we were talking about earlier too, Sam? Apologies. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> we were talking about how as women, yeah. it's always. Like, oh, I'm sorry, my mess is. This my, might be a, oh, a so silly messy. question. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was or, like, I'm not. I'm not going to apologize for how messy my office is. I like live up here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I did in the is. last one. I was like, oh, the office is so messy. I'm uh-huh, like, that's uh-huh. just what it is. Right. <laughs> right. Just... <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a process, right, for all of us. My next question, you work hard, you work long hours, Mm. 
you have big dreams. Mm -hmm. So what drives you? What motivates you to put in that extra time and to go the extra mile when you feel tired um, or when you feel defeated? Mm -hmm. What helps you to continue? Yeah. Um, it's not it's not empty. It's not empty drive. It's not empty ambition. And, you know, if we're careful and we're not being um intentional or discerning with um, what we're trying to achieve and then what success looks like defining that it can be easy to just kind of be on a rat race of you know achieving 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 and and trying to do things that are considered you know what achievement or a success looks like in other people's mm -hmm. eyes mm -hmm. you know serving in public office the outside world is always encouraging me to, you know, seek higher office, do other things in politics that in their eyes is the step up, the promotion. But for me, I have to really assess, but what will be my impact and why? Because even in my city council seat, I, you know, I've had certain moments where I say to myself, okay, that feels good. I'm making a, a long lasting change. I think my first example was when I was able to get um, crossing guards in the front of my um, my kid's school at the time, their elementary school. And the crossing guards are still there. So every time I pass down that street, down Robinson, I say, oh, the crossing guards are still there. I helped to do that. <laughs> that feels good. And it's not some big policy issue that, you know, is addressing health care or something like that. But it was my small piece, in my view, of making a lasting impact to the community in a way that mattered to keep kids safe, to address parent concerns. And then I did the legwork to make sure that it wasn't going to just happen one year, but it could be, you know, in perpetuity if we, you know, ensure the, the, the right things were lined up to do that. That's what gave me that boost of energy. So I, I try to emulate that, you know, where am I going to be the most impactful? Where is it going to be a lasting uh, effect? And so that's what drives me to keep going because then I, I'm able to see the win and see the success. If my, if success was defined by others, I might get lost and not be able to, you know, have that energy to keep going or maybe seeking things that, you know, are not really fulfilling to me. My first book that I uh, published in 2021, which Arvida has been so supportive of, uh, Mommy is the Mayor. It was released while I was mayor. Just a lot about what a mayor does, but it's all about representation, just so mostly little girls can see themselves um, in the book. Um, I spoke to so many kindergarten classes that year and asking questions of, you know, five, six-year-old kids saying, you know, do you, you know, tell me what a mayor looks like. Tell me what a mayor does. And immediately he does this and he does that. And I mean, it just in ways kind of broke my heart, but then also was validation that, yeah, we need this book. So that was, um, that's Mommy is the Mayor. That was released in 2021. And then releasing um, in May, uh, Baby's Room to the Boardroom, all about how um, just learning lessons from, motherhood and how that translates into the workspace 
And again, I think the tagline, being a mom is a is an asset, not a liability. And that's how we can, you know, really hone into that, uh, the, the power that we have as moms and um, relinquish that imposter syndrome. There were a few things that, that when I read them, they just kind of resonated with me and I had to pause. Um, because, um, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of wisdom in the book and there are things that we may think as women that we don't ever explicitly tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we need to either be told something or we need to read it so that it's like, oh, so that intuition, that thought, you know, <laughs> that that is true. Somebody agrees with me. Yeah. Um, somebody is thinking or saying that, too. Um, and you said female instinct is valid and yeah. valuable and the importance this was something that was present throughout your book of looking at being a mom as an asset and not a liability yeah that's very different from i think the way that a lot of women think about their roles they think must compartmentalize you know i am this and this but they are separate yeah um but the truth is we are all those things at once right and you, in your book, you talk about the beauty of drawing from all those roles, especially from your role as a mother and those insights um, that you gain, um, that skill set. Can you talk more about that? Because I thought that that was, you think it as a mom? But you're like, nah, I'm just trying to like <laughs> rationalize things. But then I read it and I was like, yeah, so tell me more. Well, I mean, one, I just want to thank you for even those comments. This is the first time I'm even talking about yeah. the new book. So, you know, it's not released yet. And so I and really no one has read it yet. Not not even my family or anything, because, um, you know, I've just kind of been on this, this self-publishing journey. But I love that you got some of that out of it because that's exactly what it's for. And really I started writing it after I went back to work with my, my third child, my, my newest baby. And I just remember thinking, wow, like I just had a baby. I'm going back to work. I did a lot of work while I was on my maternity leave. And I feel like my job just kind of felt like, okay, like finally you're back to work, you know, and kind of, I wanted them to be like, you did that, like, you know, and, and appreciate all what I now bring to the table as, you know, a, a mom again, having been through that. I wish it was seen as, you know, you get an, a round of applause because you just accomplished something great. And now you get to work with us with all that experience of being pregnant while working, having a new baby and managing that and then coming back. And now we're going to benefit from all that you just learned and experienced from doing that. But it's not. Instead, of, it's, it's kind of like, oh, well, finally you're back and you took that time off to mm -hmm. have your baby. Now we we get this version of Letitia that mm -hmm. we, you know, knew versus now we get a new version of you of someone that, you know, has all this different and valuable experience. So my thing is, well, how come we don't at least look at ourselves like that? And I guess it's because society doesn't look at us like that. But when people are asking me, you know, how Leticia, how are you doing it all? How are you managing it all? What I sh try to share in the book is that I've realized over time that 
me being a mom is is not separate from the person I bring to work, etc. And I've learned so many lessons in being what, what do we say? We're like a crisis manager at home. We're we're a chef. We're you know, a logistics person, we do all those things. And then somehow we don't like to tout about it. It's not something we put on our resume. It's not something we (laughs) brag about, you know, outside of our homes. And for me, it's just kind of like, well, why not? And if we really start to evaluate who we are as moms, and not just ourselves, but what our kids teach us, and we start to pause and listen to those lessons, we can take some of that imposter syndrome out of the the picture because we can say, I do have this experience. I, mm-hmm. I have lived this. Mm-hmm. I have uh, witnessed this. But the imposter syndrome, what that voice likes to tell us is you need another degree. Mm-hmm. You need more training. You need more, you know, exposure to this industry. But what if we as mom said, I already have all that because I've, I've done that as a mom. My kids taught me how to do, you know, conflict resolution. (laughs) I do it all the time. So really the book is about tapping, you know, being honest with ourselves and being gracious with ourselves about that lived experience as a mom and really taking back control of the narrative to say to ourselves, my journey on motherhood is just as valuable as any corporate position I could have you know and the fact that I want to do both I want to work and I want to be a mom I can use both of those to uh, feed off of each other and allow me to excel in both areas of my life without feeling the guilt that I have to separate this this version of me with this version of me and so Mm -hmm. um, I put a couple quotes in the book too that that's not in the advanced readers copy from you know Michelle Obama says I was a better professional because of motherhood and I'm a better better mother because of of my job as well. And so it's like if she says that then yeah, it must be true, right? <laughs> anything she says is anything... true. I don't question yeah. anything Michelle yeah. Obama says. And so I think um the book is just going to be a lot of that yeah. for women like, "Oh, well, if it's written down, Someone else must have thought yeah. this that I and I've had these same thoughts before. It's just given us permission to uh wear the many hats that we wear without the guilt of feeling like we're not just crushing it in all these different areas of our lives because the reality is that we usually are. Mm-hmm. But society will tell us that we have to be one person at work, one person at home, and the two cannot coexist and and actually increase our stock versus you know Mm -hmm. decreasing it i mean is anyone a better multitasker than a mom right no (laughs) have you seen moms like cook and clean and do help with homework and you know yeah Mm -hmm. is anyone a better multitasker than a mom yeah i don't think so so those skills um they're definitely um transferable Mm -hmm. But you're right. How many times do women go into an interview and they say, I know you looked at my resume and there's this gap where I haven't worked. And like, you know, I know that I'm going to have to catch up on all these skills. And and I know that things have changed. And it's like, what if women went in there with a different narrative? Right. Or what about women that are putting off? no, No, and I'm not going to discredit how hard it is, right, to have kids and to work. But for women who put it off and say, (laughs) 
well, I want to excel in my career, so I'm not going to have kids or I'm going to wait to have kids, not based on my timeline, but based on my job or society's timeline. What if the narrative was changed and, well, I want to have kids so I can gain that valuable experience mm-hmm. that's actually going to mm-hmm. benefit me at work? What what if that was the case? That would be amazing. And I think women who don't have kids yet, they somehow think my stock is going to decline as soon as I become a mom, not realizing that you are gaining really amazing experience. But you just have to know how to translate it to, you know, the other parts of your life. forces you to reflect and um, wrestle yeah. with so many of those questions. Yeah. And I just love that you so explicitly drew that connection um, because I think it's going to shift our mindsets and hopefully the narrative yeah. around it. It just happened to me just too many times that I'm like, I, I have to write about some of this because... I can think about something I do all the time now that kind of started uh, when I first ran for office. I had a a lot of people say not the nicest things. And I remember thinking, I'll show them, you know, when I win, I'll I'll, I'll remember this day, you know. And you did. And you did. But I did it. (laughs) I kept a short memory. Yeah. And I I attest to that, that it's allowed me to, you know, have very strong relationships with people in the community because especially in politics, people say things and do things that I don't always think are of their true character. But um, I maintained a short memory and I used to think about my kids on the playground, how they would, you know, one day Sally's their best friend. And then the next day Sally's not my friend anymore or Sally's my best friend again. And I used to be like, how does that work? (laughs) One day she's your friend. And then the next day, you know, She's not. And now you guys are back best friends again. And I just remember thinking about kind of that resilience with kids that it's like, yeah, we argued the other day and she wasn't my friend ever again. But now we're good. You know, And I just remember thinking I can do that. Like if my kids can do that, I can do that. I don't have to be mad forever, you know, and I I don't have to feel like this transgression is going to live with me for the rest of my political career. And it's been so freeing to feel like I don't have to make every single person accountable for what they ever said, said or did. And, you know, um, but I can move on and, and, and do the job. And so it's like those small little experiences with them help me to decide, you know, it, it's possible to move on quickly, especially, you know, if, if it's not going to hurt me to get over it. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week for part two of our interview with the amazing Letitia Clark. Thank you for listening. I want to thank our Vita Bookstore for providing the space and inspiration for this podcast, and Kind World for sharing their original music. 
Tune in next week for another story about you, me, and us. Until next time.